history. I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is my co-host, a very sleepy Lorna. Hello, I'm a sleepy bear. Very tired today. We've had a uh, been on a journey to London the last two days. Mm-hmm. I'm back. Yeah. Now it's late at night, and we got work to go to. You know what I mean? We do, and we don't want to go back. <laughs> but we'll just um, do with another day off. Yeah. Oh, day of sleep would be nice. Yes. A duvet day. But for you guys, you've got a day of our voices in your ears. Or an hour. An hour. Or maybe less. Unless or, you know us. In which case, you got a lifetime of it. Oh. What a dream. <laughs> so if you've never listened to this podcast before, um, go back to episode one. Because this is episode 67 or something. We're recording it on um, Bonfire Night. The 5th of November, so you might hear some bonfires. You might hear some fireworks. That's probably what you more. meant. You can't really hear a bonfire unless you're there and you can hear it the does crackle. crackle. Yeah, great. Um, but anyway, what I was, was going to say. Impression. Thank you. Sound like a pig. <laughs> um, so, if you've never listened before, we do reports on moments, events, people, topics from history. Yes. Sometimes more hidden ones. Today I'm doing a bit of a hidden topic. We love a hidden topic, so we like to choose something that maybe people don't know, or a topic that maybe people do, but give a bit of bit more in depth, bit yes. more information. Yes, that's exactly what. So, I'm what do. are you doing today? Can I jump straight into it? Yeah, please do. So I knew uh, I knew this um, topic would be released shortly after November the fifth. Come out on November the seventh. So I went looking for a story, and the most obvious story was obviously Guy Fawkes. And yep. the plot to blow up Parliament. Remember, remember the 5th of November? All that jazz? Um, I always remember that, to be honest. So I actually went searching for other things to do with November the 5th. My uncle's birthday. And today I'm doing the birth of Uncle Barry. <laughs> no, it's not Uncle Barry. It's Uncle Adrian. Uncle Adrian. And he's a collier. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Um, Mum's side. So your mum's side, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so a few different topics jumped out at me, um, but one stood out most of all. Mm, have I heard of it before? So I'm pretty sure, and I, for some reason I didn't write down why this is related, but I'm pretty sure it's related to November the 5th. Okay. okay. Um, have you heard of the Landlord's Game? I have not. Interesting. I knew you were going to say that. How about... <laughs> The Monopoly game. I have. It's called Monopoly. You heard of Monopoly? Today we're going to do the story of the board game Monopoly. Oh, the world's this is favourite very, board uh, game. Very Innis as well. It's very Innis. I was going to say. Um, yeah, I've not really. I think I've only played it briefly on an app. I've never played it properly. Are you joking? What no, are you talking you know about? This. this is atrocious. If I you were def- to know, oh, you if, I, if I'd known this, I would have. You and Innis both definitely know that I've not played Monopoly. I've definitely blanked it out so we can still be friends. Um, so <laughs> it's so rude. <laughs> um, you don't see me being like, man, did you ever play a Pop Idol on PlayStation 2? It's a, no. Right. Well, sorry, we can't be friends anymore. I'm sure the world will understand me when I say that I don't think Pop Idol on PlayStation 2 is, the, <laughs> is as renowned worldwide as Monopoly. But maybe. It's so good. I won it multiple times. Okay. I was the pop idol. I was trying to segue back into it. Maybe Monopoly shouldn't be so highly regarded. Maybe you should still be my friend even though I've not played it. 
So <coughs> I'll set the scene. I'll set the scene. Yes, and then I'll pull a bit of a rug out from under you. Bit of sizzle, bit of sizzle. <laughs> so uh, I got a lot of this from the Guardian article, uh, which was related to a new book, which was written in 2015, I think, about the story of Monopoly. So it's 1932. We're in America. I really thought Monopoly originated in England. Ooh. Got, remind me about that later on. I've heard something about that. Okay. There's a Philadelphia businessman. His name's Charles Todd. I think he's chosen a good place to live. Quite like Philadelphia as far as places go. And cheese. Um, and Charles Todd and his wife, Olive. Olive Todd. I love the name Olive. It's quite nice, isn't it? They uh, introduced their friends Charles and Esther Darrow. I quite like the name Esther as well. Great names and two Charleses. Um, they, they introduced them to uh, a real estate board game. Yep. They had recently learned about. Mm. The Darrows, so the second couple... Uh, enjoyed this game so much, in fact, that they asked Charles Todd, um, they, they said to him, mate, uh, do, you have a, do you have a set of rules for this for this game? Like, do you have it written down? And he was like, oh, no, I don't. So he actually said, I'll make you one. So Charles Todd said, oh, I love that. That's like somebody Charles being Darrow. like, once I made brownies and someone being like, oh, I think I would quite enjoy brownies. And you being like, you know what? I'm a good friend. I'll make you some brownies. I make you the ingredient list. I make you the recipe. Oh, write down the recipe. That's it. You've nailed yeah, thank it. Thank you. you. I tried that to. Is very and good. I did. Um, so yeah, Todd so made Todd. the Darrows a set of the game. Charlie Todd made them their own set, and then began teaching them some more advanced rules for the game. Oh, I really like these people. The game wasn't sold in a box, um, and people would pass it to one another. Um, say like hi play this game wow it's so cool yeah it's wicked uh, these are all direct quotes from the time um, <laughs> it's sick love it mint um the game didn't have an official name at the time but everybody called it the monopoly game hmm. but where did they get the word monopoly from that you've got a monopoly on the market yeah yeah so they played it a lot and one day charles darrow said to charles todd um, oh yeah, he said, can I have a written copy? That's already happened in our story. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be useful. Darrow at the time was unemployed and was looking for money, looking for ways to earn money so he could look after his family. Um, Very responsible. So when Todd wrote up the rules for Darrow, it didn't seem like there was any rules anywhere else, like it didn't exist anywhere else. They were sort of told to people rather than yep. being written down. So Darrow actually sold the game to Parker Brothers. I hope he asked Todd if he could do that. Um, and it became, became, a, full winner, became. <laughs> a phenomenal success. I'm really not surprised, but I hope he asked Todd. Well, do you mention Todd again? No. Goodness. Making him millions in the process. Um, people he would, must have told would ask Darrow how he managed to make it up. Um, Because it was so unique, and he once said it's a freak, entirely unexpected and illogical. So I don't think, I don't think it was that um, Todd's like Darrow just used Todd's um, rules. Darrow sort of adapted them, I think. Right. I still think that he owes Todd a lot there. I think you should give him half. Well, nineteen oh three. Wait, I thought it was in 1932. We are. So now we're going to 1903. We're going back. Rug pull. Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, right, I don't know how you say this second name, M-A-G-I-E. 
Maggie? Maggie. You say Maggie, it's nice to Elizabeth say. Maggie, a.k.a. Lizzie. She's called Lizzie from now on. Is she actually a.k.a. Lizzie, or have you just said that? I think it's a.k.a. Lizzie, because I, I don't know, actually. I've written Lizzie forever. Cool. Um, things weren't great at the start of the century. 1900s, starting in the 1900s, mm. uh, the 20th century. There was lots of problems, not least the income inequalities. Uh, they were so big. Um, and Lizzie wanted to try and make a change, change for once in her life. <laughs> It's going to feel real good. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make it Stop work. it with you. Is this Turn the rug the pull? Matt singing. <laughs> Michael Fear Jackson. Winter coat. Is that yeah. so? Thank you. Dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> Lizzie. Did you write that I down? I actually wrote that down. Lizzie. Oh my I knew gosh, I'd that get is to so about that. sad. <laughs> I knew I'd get to about that on the song. And you don't stop me. Lizzie was the descendant of... We come back to, by the way, her wanting to make a change for yep. once in her life. Lizzie was the descendant of Scottish immigrants. Um, she was pale, apparently, I read. I don't know why that's relevant. She was Is that unmarried. an attribute of being Scottish? Because I'd say I'm quite pale and I'm English. But the name Lorna comes from Scotland. Scotland. Oh. But my family come from Ireland. Right. So I'm from all over the shop. <laughs> Back no to <Wales>. Lizzie. <laughs> Wait, where's your family from? England. She was... I don't actually know. I need to do a DNA test. That'd be quite good. I bet I've got a bit of me from Borneo. <laughs> Borneo? <laughs> Wherever you want, really, Matt. Yeah. No, they're, <gasps> they're really good, though. We watched it on a TV show where... Um, Darren Brown Yeah, on Darren Brown Sacrifice, where he gave this guy a DNA test, and he had, like, Syria? 3% Syria, 7% Russia or something. Them percentages are made up. Yes. But that's what <laughs> you could like have. That. You could be, like, it was Siberia. China. Yeah. 1% Australia. This isn't a promotion for Netflix again, by the way. No, no, this is a promotion for DNA tests. Yes. Oh, yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, so anyway, Lizzie, as I mentioned, descendant of Scottish immigrants. We know her yeah. descendants. <laughs> uh, descendants, yeah. She was unmarried. Unusual. For How the old time. is she? Um, she's an age. She's some old. <laughs> she's some oldness. Um, she was also the head of her household, which was... Very um, unusual at the strange. time. Strange, yeah. She, she lived... Com- well, she'd completely on her own, she'd saved up and bought her house, along with several acres of property. She was She's a, a baller. stenographer. Stenographer? And typist at a repository for the nation's lost mail. Oh. Interesting. She also Stop appeared mail. in plays and wrote poetry and short stories. I really like Lizzie. In 1893, so ten years earlier, she actually um, patented... A patented a gadget that patented. fed different sized papers through a typewriter and allowed more type on a single page. Just so she was making stuff. She's, she's a writing legend. Stuff. She's living her she's life. She's a strong, confident woman. She is. I've got a little bit more about her. She uh, lived in a neighborhood in Washington D.C. where her neighbors included a dairyman, a sailor, a carpenter, a musician, and a peddler who had identified himself as a huckster. Not sure what that means, but I thought it was nice. Yeah, it sounds alright. Um, Lizzie shared her house with a male actor who paid rent and a black female servant. Mm. So she was unmarried into her 40s. So I think this is sort of the early 20th century now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was independent and proud of it. And she made her point with a, pub- with a publicity stunt at one point. She took out a newspaper advertisement and offered herself as, a quote, um, young a young woman... Um, American slave for sale to the highest bidder. Her aim, she told shocked readers, was to highlight the subordinate position of women in society. 
She, this is a quote. She we are not, so We good. are not machines. Girls have minds, desires, hopes and ambition. So oh. she's very progressive. She's very... She deserves her own pod report. Well, this is her pod report. In the evenings after work, she would teach classes about her political beliefs. She, however, did not feel that she was reaching enough people. She needed another way. So, namely, a medium that was on the rise at the time, becoming common in middle-class houses. A board game, perhaps. She wants to spread her religious beliefs through political a board... Beliefs. Political beliefs. Through a board game. By political beliefs, do, does she mean, like... Inequality. Rights for women. Rights for women, but, but about political... About um, economic inequality between the, the 99% the 1%. Honestly, I love her. At this, at this time, um, inventors of board games were beginning to realise that instead of just being fun games for the whole family to enjoy, um, games board games could actually be a means of communicating. So this is what she was jumping onto. In, uh, in order to make the change um, that obviously she sang about in uh, her famous song, Man in the Mirror. Man in the Mirror. Um, yeah, the board game was, was pivotal to this. So she worked as a stenographer, as I said, and then in the evening she'd go home and she'd get to work on her board game. And she wanted it to reflect her progressive political views and um, t- taking on the capitalist system of property ownership. Today, especially. All I was thinking about was capitalism. All today? All We're having a lovely much. time and you seem to be having a good time. But, but no, the... no, no, on the train on the way home. Oh, really? I was, my thoughts kept going to capitalism. Right. Why? There you go, me and Lizzie, what in common? Mm. <laughs> you sat on a virgin train. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, yeah, the Pendolina. <laughs> mm. She uh, she began to speak um, in public about a new concept she had called the Landlord's Game. Uh, this is what she wrote for a political magazine. It is a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with all its usual outcomes and consequences. It might well have been called the Game of Life. Interesting. It's actually a game of life, isn't it? And we're all living it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean uh, the the board game. There was <laughs> there was a board game called the Game of Life. Um, it's a shame everyone couldn't see your eyes then. Matt <laughs> stared at the microphone wide eyed. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> I wanted some reaction. Um, <laughs> You're not going to get it from I'm not finished this quote anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on, Game of Life. So it might as well have been called the Game of Life as it contains all the elements of success and failure in the real world, and the object is the same as the human race, as the human race in general seems to have, i.e. the accumulation of wealth. That's the problem for me. That's the problem for her as well, for Liz. And also the methods that you show you've got wealth. Mm, buying houses in. Just buying nonsense. Old Kent Road. Nonsense. Go on, name me some, uh, name me some streets. Where? On um on the Monopoly board, I read a, I read a bit about different. I had some fun facts at the end. And I was like, it's a bit of a sad one. I don't really want to put fun facts at the end about like Monopoly has this many versions and this oh, many. Okay. But um, the original. I even tell you. The original one, made by Parker Brothers, was focused on um. It was based on Atlantic City, I think, like the streets of Atlantic City. But obviously now we've got London. Yeah. In England, London's it's, the main one, isn't in it? In England, now? it is. In Paris, it's the. That is cool. Oh, what's that called? That street. I can't remember. And it's different in all the different countries. Yeah. Where, where in Paris is it? I can't remember. Read it, but oh, I can't I'm going to have to have a Google. Um, give it a goog. Um, 
So, the inspiration for these sort of political views that she held began with the book that her father, who was a um, an anti-monopolist politician, James Maggie, uh, had handed to her. Uh, and in the pages of this, which was Henry George's classic called Progress and Poverty from 1879, she encountered his conviction that the equal right of all men to use the land is as clear as their equal right to breathe the air. It is a right proclaimed by the fact of their existence. Um, and yeah, and, and George, had, he'd been travelling around America and he'd seen sort of the persistent des- destitution at, uh, amid the growing wealth of some people. And yeah, he, he had an issue with the inequality um, of land, land ownership. Um, so he wanted people, he wanted the state to tax this land, Henry George. This is getting a bit political, but this is just what she it's believed. It's life, isn't it? Um, and he, he thought that tax receipts, when you tax land, everyone should benefit from that. Basically, the money should go in to benefit everyone. I guess like that's what's supposed to happen now as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Too. So the game itself, the landlord's game, um, had play money, you know, fake money. Yeah. Uh, it had deeds, uh, properties you could buy and sell. Did it have a jail? It did. We'll get to that. <gasps> Players borrowed money from a bank or each other, and they paid taxes. Unlike many games at the time, the board was circular. Most of the time, were linear. I love a circular board. One corner was a poorhouse. And a public park. Across the board was the jail. Another corner housed a globe and an image of Lizzie's political hero, Henry George, um, whose ideas about putting the burden of taxation on wealthy landowners inspired so the game. Lizzie made this game. So, Lizzie, if this you recognise this, yeah, this is the game you might recognise as Monopoly, pretty much. It had, um, there were three words that have endured for, for since then, which were go to jail as well. In one corner. Um, I don't know if that was in the corner, actually. There was nine spaces between each corners. And in the and also in the centre, you had a railroad, each co- each centre. And you also had spaces to rent on either side of the railroad. Um, you had a you had rectangles called absolute necessity rectangles, which offered goods like bread and shelter. And then franchise spaces offered services such as water and light, which you also get in the Monopoly game. You have, you have your railroads, you have your four railroads, you also have water and light companies which you can buy up. Mm. Um, and as um, gamers made their way around the board, they performed labour and earned wages. Every time it plays past the Mother Earth space, which so I think is the globe maybe, um, they were basically suppo- this is a quote, supposed to have performed so much labour upon Mother's Earth and then they re- would receive $100 in wages in return. So that's 200 $200 pass and go in the modern version of the game. And uh, people who run out of money were sent to the poorhouse. You trespassed on land, you were sent to jail, um, and you'd have to pay a fine to get out of jail, uh, or you'd throw a double, which is still the case in the Monopoly game. So, it was interesting because it's very similar to what we know today. Yeah, it's also really interesting that she was using that to distribute political views whereas I don't think today you'd really associate it with political views yeah and that's w- you'd associate it with entertainment that's because she created two versions of the game two versions of the rules so the first was an anti-monopolist set in which all were rewarded when wealth was created 
and the second was a monopolist set in which the goal was to create monopolies and crush your opposition. Which is the one we know today. Which is the one we know today. Lizzie, you should have done the other one. Under the prosperity set of rules, which is the first one, every player gained each time someone acquired a new property, uh, and the game was won by everyone. Uh, when the player who had started out with the least money had doubled it. And then obviously under the monopolist set of rules, players got ahead by acquiring properties and collecting rent from all those who were unfortunate enough to land there. Why did she make two versions though? And then whoever managed to bankrupt the rest emerged as the sole winner. Um, the purpose of the dual set of rules, apparently, from Lizzie, was for players to experience a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with its, all its usual mm. outcomes and consequences, and then hence to understand how different approaches to property ownership can lead to vastly different social outcomes. So she's saying, here's what we currently have. Everyone's just grabbing at land, and here's some of us are getting have. crushed, and here's what we could have. Um, which, you know, in reality might not work, but this is her idea for to try and help everyone <laughs> and it's interesting that she's put it into a board game isn't it yeah it's really interesting so lizzie has this game so you might be wondering how did this end up in the hands of charles darrow who would then make millions out of it Silly. um she went to the u.s patent office on the 23rd of march 1903 to secure her legal claim to the game Two years later, she published a version of the game through the Economic Game Company, which Lizzie was actually a part owner of. Mm -hmm. um, the game became popular with left-wing intellectuals and not on surprised. college campuses. Yeah, Really not and surprised. That popularity grew and grew over the next three decades or so. A community of Quakers in Atlantic City eventually got a hold of the game and they customised it with names of their local neighbourhoods, which is what I'm talking about. And that's when Charles Darrow found it. So it was passed sort of from through his Quakers to people in the local area. I yeah, think Charles Todd Charles, got it, and then yeah. Charles Darrow got it from from there. And obviously, it didn't look anything like a, uh, Lizzie's because it's he changed the different named. places. And I think they're they're playing the monopolist version, and playing the monopolist version of the Rather game than as the well. Other yeah, it would seem so. So Darrow's game, which uh, the Parker Brothers version, that we know yep. today has sold hundreds of millions of copies uh, and Darrow received royalties throughout his life. Lizzie mm. was actually paid by the Parker Brothers too. So as so Darrow got this game, sold the Parker Brothers, they, they're, they, they're building this game now, they're selling this game. As their game began to grow in stature in the mid-30s, the company decided to buy the rights to other similar games. So they're looking around the, the market and being like, oh, this game is quite similar to how Monopoly will We'll buy it out. Um, so the patent to the landlord's game and two other game ideas, which Lizzie had created, um, were sold by Lizzie to the Parker Brothers for a, a reported amount of about $500 and no royalties. So Lizzie didn't quite understand. I don't think she realised at the time the motives behind the purchase of the game. Um so she got a prototype of her game at her house, got sent to her, and she was like loving it. She was delighted that this game had been made by this company. And it was um, now the real deal. Well, so this is the thing. So I think this is a bit confusing, but I think he, she thought that they were going to her game, her landlord's game. So then they sent her a pro prototype, and she was like, "This is amazing! Like this is going to go out to loads of people." 
And then, so she said, she wrote to Foster Parker, who's a nephew of George Parker and the company's treasurer. Um, I think he's called George Parker, the Parker Brothers. Yeah. Um, and she wrote that there had been a song in my heart ever since the game had arrived. Aww. Someday, I hope, she went on, you will publish other games of mine, but I don't think any one of them will be as much trouble to you or as important to me as this one. And I'm sure Stop I wouldn't make so much fuss over them. So she soon began to realise what had happened. Um, I don't want to listen anymore. And she was quite angry about it because I think, may, I don't know if they did actually produce her game, but they were already pushing Monopoly as a big game. And before I said I liked all the Charles's and the Roosters and the I Olives, and I don't mind Charles Darrow, but I just have an issue that he sold someone else's idea and made millions on it. But I've actually read something, because I'm very I'm of that opinion as well, and that sort of new research which we get onto has brought that to light um but then when i was actually reading the comments of all these articles I read loads of people were just like she had a game that was fake that wasn't doing very well that's why it hadn't taken off properly in like the 30 years i don't then, think so but, she didn't have any financial yeah, backing well Might that have been we a different of, story. Yeah. but she did actually manage uh she married a like quite a rich businessman later on um in life but that comes later. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Sorry, I'm just a bit sad. Yeah, uh, Lizzie soon began to realise what happened and she was angry. In January 1936, she gave interviews to uh, the Washington newspapers, The Post and the Evening Star. And she wanted some revenge. She'd, uh, she'd had her ideas stolen um, and she wasn't being given any credit for this. Um, and they, the companies didn't acknowledge the fact that she'd actually created this 30 years before. Um and that had actually been in the public domain already, the game. Uh, it was like this big new idea. Um, in a newspaper, it said, um, probably if one counts the lawyers, the printers, and the patent office fees um, used up in developing it, the game has cost her more than she made from it. Because she sold it for 500 on the patent. And but, now the... And she's had to... I think she fought it for her corner, but yeah, I don't yeah. think she won anything. The new Monopoly story was that Darrow had dreamed it up in the 1930s, sold it to Parker Brothers... That's the worst bit of that for me. ...and become a millionaire. It was a rags-to-riches fabrication that ironically exemplified Monopoly's implicit values. Chase wealth and crush your opponents if you want to come out on top. That is my issue. I was literally (laughs) just personified of the... The wrong rules of the the wrong game. Interesting, isn't it? Promoted the other one. I'm wondering what our listeners think about this, whether they think it's just... But I think this is very... I was thinking this is very telling of our political views, our our stance on this. Yeah, whereas I think some people will be less inclined to think so. Charles Darrow took advantage. He didn't know any of... He didn't know about Lizzie. He didn't know anything like that. He took advantage. No, which is why I don't really hate him. It's just the fact that he sold this idea and he he dreamt it up, apparently. Mm. What a coincidence. Lizzie did not get the happy ending she deserved. Like I said, she, I did read she married like a businessman, so she can't have been. She, she was doing okay, I think. But she died in 1948, a widow with no children, so I imagine he, he's died before. Um, her obituary and her headstone made no mention of the game. One of her last jobs was at the US Office of Education, where her colleagues knew her only as an elderly typist who talked about inventing games. In the 1940 census, um, Eight years before she died, she listed her occupation as a maker of games. In the column for her income, she wrote zero. 
Honestly, um, that. So <laughs> I read um, that the woman who wrote this book about her wrote a little article for I think it was I the really Smithsonian about her, and that was a bit of a info what she found when she was researching it. And just like that, uh, Lizzie was rubbed from the history books, and that was until 1973. There's a man named Ralph Anspach, uh, who's a left-wing academic. I like him already. At the uh, time, he was actually facing legal action from Parker Brothers because he had created an anti-monopoly game. Love it. Um, in his research, he came across Lizzie Maggie uh, as I think it's Ma- I hope it's Maggie as he was trying to figure out a way to undermine the company's hold on the intellectual property. So he's like, "How oh, does stop them from suing me?" Um, and the case actually dragged on for a decade, but perhaps surprisingly, Ansbach actually prevailed in the process cementing Lizzie's role in the game's history and his work, what he uncovered during these like 10 years that he was trying to fight this case uh, is most of what we know today about Lizzie, he found most of it just because um, it is now known though uh, doesn't mean that the big businesses have to admit in Hasbro who um, Packer Brothers is a subsidiary of Hasbro now, Hasbro Mm -hmm. owns it Still downplays Lizzie's status. I'm really not surprised. About half of it's because she's a woman. So for this, um, this I think it was a Guardian article, like I said, uh, from 2015. If you just search, you'll you'll find it. Um, they requested a comment from Hasbro about it, and they said Hasbro credits the official Monopoly game produced and played today to Charles Darrow. Um, and on twenty in twenty fifteen on Hasbro's website, there's a timeline of the game's history and that begins only in nineteen thirty five, so ignores everything that comes before it. Um, and yeah, over the years, the careful this is a quote: the carefully worded corporate retellings have been most illuminating in what they don't mention. Lizzie, the Quakers, um, and then the dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of early players, Ralph Ansbach and the. Uh, Anti-monopoly litigation, which I haven't mentioned, but I'm assuming that's to do with his, Ralph's his case. Ralph's anti-monopoly game. So this, all of this is just sort of left out from the story. It's, it's all this about Charles like Darrow and his... George uh, Orwell, 1984. Right. I've never read it. <laughs> no, that's just like a, a, a society where they're not told things properly. Oh, right. And like they all go to work and they do the bit and they're not allowed to go certain places and they're only allowed to eat certain things and they're constantly being watched. So anyone playing Monopoly, you're being watched. Oh, I don't want to sound <laughs> No, you're not really. Well, I just don't think I'm going to play it. I know, I'm, it sort of ruined my... Uh... Enjoyment of Monopoly. Yeah, I'd, I'm unless, not interested in Monopoly anymore. Unless you just think this, we're playing this for for Lizzie. We're not playing it for Lizzie because we're playing the wrong version for me. I know. I don't know if you can actually find. Um, I'd play the other version if it the exists. The other version. It sounds interesting because it felt weird. Remember when we played um, Pandemic? Yes. It feels really weird playing a board game trying to work together to win. Yeah, so the pandemic's a game where you have to like stop the spread of diseases becoming an epidemic across the world and you work like there's groups of four so we played it with six of us so we had two twos and two people on their own because there's four in the group and we had to solve it all together. Yeah, it is weird but I quite like that. It was on a sorry, it was on November fifth, nineteen thirty five that the Parker brothers launched the game of Monopoly. Well, that's how uh, this relates. I can't remember. I haven't written it down for whatever reason. 
But that is um, my report on the story of Monopoly and Lizzie Maisie. Yeah. Maisie. What else happened on this day? Go on, cheer us On up. this day. Uh, Christopher Columbus first learned about the growing and harvesting of corn from Cuba's indigenous population, 1492. It's quite cool. Obviously, 1492 was... Uh, it's when he set sail. He went, to, went over to um, North South America. Yeah. You had the battle at Panipit, Panapat, um, 1556, not sure. The gunpowder plot, 1605. Mm. Um, oh, 1937, Adolf Hitler informs his military leaders in a secret meeting of his intentions of going to war. Not a great one. 1956, also not a good one. Britain and France land, land airborne forces at Port Said in Egypt, escalating the Suez can oh crisis, Suez Canal crisis. Not really. Uh, I'm not going to read that one. What about in TV? Go on. What oh, in TV, one? the Nat King Cole show. I actually, had this debut debuts on NBC, the first variety program to be hosted by an African American. And Nat King Cole is adorable. Mm. So uh, that's sort of the main ones. Brian Adams was his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Brian! But um, that is that's that's sort of the fifth fifth of November in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh, what famous a sad deaths, day for Elizabeth. Never heard of anyone. Yeah, so uh, that's my report on the it story was, of Monopoly. It was really good. Thank you. Trying my best to find something a bit hidden. Well, it was really hidden. Until not long ago. And I, th- I don't think most people really realise what the story behind the game. I certainly no. never heard anything about it. So next time you're going to buy the Incredibles 2 version of Monopoly, give don't. it a rethink. <laughs> Just don't buy any don't. more Monopoly. It was interesting, actually, the facts about it, which it, but maybe I should have added to lighten up the, uh, the mood at the end. I might tweet a few out. Just like the different pieces like they've replaced some of the pieces they've recently replaced I think the iron which is one of the most boring ones with like a cat or something I don't know it's oh, a more I'd fun have an iron. Um, yeah all well, the different countries have different ones there's like hundreds of versions of it yeah they're either always releasing another one yeah. I had a look on the Hasbro website and they've got so many did you want them? no did you look before you did no, the report no, or after? No, no, Because I was trying like, to find this no, timeline that, that, that it read, but I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, do you want to tell people about where they can find us? Oh, go on What then. they can do? I'll do a bit of chatting. Um, so, look out for our Twitter where I will tweet a few facts just to lighten the mood. Lorna tweeted a few uh, facts from last week's podcast about yes, Halloween. Yes, I tweeted a lot last week. Just... Um, some um, changes to our story because we claim that the biggest yeah pumpkin, and the biggest pumpkin was something like eight hundred and odd pound when really it's uh, two thousand pound. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So some some edits there. Yeah. I, yeah. I did. And there's a fascinating video of a pumpkin oh, carving. Great. It's a great. Time. World record. Some guy thinks he's won it, but, but he hasn't. Has, oh, Spoilers. I was about to be like, but has he? Oh, and you he were, hasn't. But he hasn't. Watch it. It's um, great. Yeah. So check out the Twitter. We'll tweet some Monopoly facts. Um. Also check out our Instagram. Last week I shared a picture of our pumpkins that we carved. Um. So the Twitter is at Idiot History Pod. Is it? Yeah. And the Instagram and the Facebook is at Idiots Talk History. Um, if you want to send us an email just with any requests or any corrections or just a hello, it's 
at idiot oh no it's not it's idiothistorypod at gmail.com there's not an at first sorry it's late it's very late um, and we would appreciate if you could give us a review give us a subscribe and tell three friends wonderful some good yeah. plugging happy bonfire night I hope For you've seen some days, fireworks yeah. if you celebrate that in your country um, if not don't see fireworks yeah just imagine them yeah you could watch like a a YouTube or yeah, something of Bonfire Night. Um, so we'll speak to you next week when yeah. we'll, we'll be more awake and we'll have new reports on something oh, yeah. equally brilliant. Always brilliant. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 bye.